Hi everybody and welcome to this week's podcast with me Gail and today I'm really delighted because I'm here with my husband and we've wanted to do a podcast together for quite a while now. Um, So here we are today to talk about what it's like to be four years alcohol free, what it's like to be Um, an alcohol-free couple, I suppose, an alcohol-free house, and lots of other things in between. So welcome, my husband. (laughs) Thank you very much for having me on the show, Gail. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) I feel a bit nervous, um, and it's a bit weird. Yeah, it's a bit weird. It is. Um, So, we are both alcohol-free now for, what, just over four and a bit years? Four and a bit years, yeah. One of it is. Um, s- before we get into um, like why y- you decided to stop, because I don't know if you know this, you probably do, because I've talked about it before. Um, my husband, you were the catalyst, weren't you, really, for me stopping drinking, because you stopped before I did. Yeah, it was. Um, it was basically getting too much. We'd been thinking about and discussed quitting alcohol for for a few years before we actually did mm. do it, um, but we always sort of found an excuse, and there was always a you know a get out if you like. You know, we'll do it after you know the people have been over because it's going to be stressful, or we'll do it after this bit of work which is going to be stressful. There was always a reason to keep putting it off. And because of that, I think the last two years or so kind of got, um, it sort of snowballed to a, a peak where you couldn't really carry on without something, something was going to happen, something had to give. Mm. Um, and it was going to be, you know, something as a result of drinking, like an event, or it was going to be a health scare or something along those lines but something was coming and it was imminent and I think that you know we both sort of recognized the fact at the time that we had to do something about the drinking because it was it was not going to end well if we didn't um, no. and I I made the decision that I was going to do it um, pretty much overnight I just thought right that's it it's too much <laughs> and I'm not going to drink anymore um, and that was it. And obviously, when I, I told you, it didn't come as any surprise, because we'd been talking about it for so so long. Yeah. And um, yeah, we 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 just did it. I did it a day before you. You cleared out the last beers from the fridge, and within mm. within forty eight hours, we were both alcohol free, and that was it. Yeah, sounds quite simple. And I suppose it was when it actually happened. It. Because you were pretty clear, weren't you, when you got up that morning and you just said, oh, I'm not going to drink anymore. I was more like, what, what now? What's going on? Yeah. But you're right. It Before you decided that you weren't going to drink anymore, um, things weren't great, I would say. No, it was... The, the problem with alcohol is it creeps up on you. You, mm. you don't have any kind of... Um, sort of real control over it if, if when you first start drinking if within a week or so if the effect that alcohol has over 30 years 
hit you within that first week, then you would never touch alcohol again. You just, <laughs> you just wouldn't do it. it yeah. it's, it's horrendous. That's true. And it creeps up a bit, bit by bit. And, you know, you, you think that alcohol is an escape and you think that you're enjoying yourself and you think that, you know, it, it gives you a good time and it loosens you up and all the rest of it. Um, but to be honest with you, it, it's a load of crap. Mm. It, that, that just is not the case. It is not good for you. It's a poison that you're putting into your body. It makes you do stupid things. It makes you say stupid things. Mm. Um, it causes friction within your family life with your relatives and, and the kids. And with us, we yeah, had a few us. arguments. Yeah, we had, we had massive arguments, and it was all fueled by alcohol, which is no good. And I think you need to take a step back and recognize what alcohol is actually doing to you um, and make a decision on, on what you're going to do about it because. I mean, I, I was an absolute beer monster. I mean, I used to drink a, a horrendous amount of alcohol and I had done for for years and years, ever since my, my teens. Mm. Um, How much beer would you say you drank every day? Because it was every day, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, when, when I first started drinking when I was a kid, I probably had, you know, a couple of beers at a, at a family barbecue and all this kind of thing. And, and it sort of grew. And then when I turned... Um, 18 I didn't actually drink that much because I lived in a rural area and the main focus for me was being able to drive um, and that was mm. like complete freedom for me and I didn't want to risk that for anything and obviously I didn't drink and drive at all it's just something that I just never did as a youngster um, but then you sort of settle down in, in the family life and you buy yourself a house and all the rest of it. You don't have to drive anymore and you sit there in the night time and you're watching TV and then the next thing you know, you've been down to the corner shop or the supermarket or whatever and you've bought a four pack and then that turns into an eight pack and then an eight pack turns into a 12 pack and then all of a sudden, you know, 10 years later, you, you're drinking 12, 15 cans of beer a day. And then when you come to Spain... Because <laughs> it's cheap and it's what everybody does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and, and it's like water. It's, water's more expensive than the beer is. It's ridiculous. And, yeah. you know, you, you're sitting there and then all of a sudden that dozen cans of beer, for me, it, it's, you know, it was 18 cans of beer. And then when you ran out of beer... You know, you'd be looking in the kitchen to see if there was anything left in the box of wine that you'd bought a couple of days previously. So you would you having the wine and maybe the whiskey or something like that as well. It was absolutely completely out of control. Yeah, we just kept going and going and going, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was boxes of wine that we bought because obviously a bottle was not enough. Um, we could easily get through twenty four cans a day. Between um, us, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah. Especially you know if if. There was something on the TV. I mean, I'm a big rugby fan, and you'd watch the rugby on a Saturday afternoon, and you know you'd start drinking at one o'clock for the build-up, and you wouldn't finish drinking until ten o'clock, eleven o'clock that night. Mm. But the beer had already run out at seven o'clock, so you were hitting the wine, and then something else, because it was just, mm. you know, it's one of those things that alcohol does. It, 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 it's difficult to describe. You can't put it down. You know, when you're in the mood and you want to drink and you're used to drinking and, and you've accepted yourself as a drinker and it just becomes part of normal life, then, you know, if you've been drinking all day and it comes to seven o'clock at night and then you've ran out, mm. alcohol says, no, hang on a minute, you, you need some more of me. 
because you're not allowed to stop now. You're not allowed to, and and there's a message that gets sent to your brain, which which sort of it, it's a difficult one to explain. It's like a mini addiction within a very very micro space of, of time. It, it it does not let you give it up. You have to have more, even mm-hmm. though you've had more than enough. Yeah. And you know, in some cases, you can hardly stand up, and you're sort of rolling into bed, and <laughs> you still want more because it, it mm. it's it's an addictive substance. Yeah, it's like there's no off switch, is there, when you get into that? No, not at all. That moment. Um, so how? Because we said at the beginning that we talked about it and thought about not drinking, thought about quitting for a while. Um, can you just describe how? you felt most mornings when you woke up when we'd had a drink the night before because mm. you used to say oh god um i can tell i've had a drink or i think i overdid it last night and that was getting more and more mm. frequent wasn't it yeah it was um i mean you know the, the average joe if you go out and you have a, a few beers and all the rest of it you can tell when you wake up the next morning that you've had a drink mm. um and if you overdo it, or completely overdo it, then you wake up with a rotten hangover and you know you've had a drink. For me, I was such a seasoned drinker by the time I'd made the decision to, to quit. It was, um, I'd never really suffered from hangovers that much, but I had this constant feeling that I knew that I'd had a drink the day before. And that's because I had. Mm. You know, life wasn't, you know, I was, wasn't normal. It wasn't, you know, I'd never woke up, you know, fresh and fit and healthy in the mornings and raring to go. I was always very lethargic because of the, the drinking that had been done the day before. Feeling crap. Yeah. Mm. Um, and besides from the physical feeling, it was also, you know, the first thing that popped into my mind was how much did I have to drink last night? Mm. How many beers did I have and I'd have to sit you know lie in bed for for a good five or ten minutes and work it out in my head how much I'd had to drink and not only that but what had happened as well what had been said because you know it had to been a fight mm. you know had to been an argument had a shout at the kids had yeah something been broken had I gone completely mad about something which was all fueled by alcohol mm. um and then you know you, you've got that anxiety thing happened which is like oh my god what happened did anything happen um and then you would feel guilty because you would remember and you'd be like oh shit yeah i said that or you know i mm. shouldn't have done this or you know whatever it was um so there, were, there was a mixture of feelings and that started to happen on a daily basis of course at the time i was in my mid-40s and you know it it starts to get to the point where you, you know you're not young anymore like you were in your 20s and you know you can wake up fresh and all the rest of it and have kind of a hangover and you'll be all right you can still go to work when you're 22 years old but haven't had 10 beers the night before mm. when you're 45 you can't <laughs> it no. starts to take its toll um so yeah a mixture of feelings and that was becoming more and more of a regular occurrence it was every every morning yeah because you know we didn't you know we don't have nine to five jobs haven't had for a while now and you know, every day living in Spain is potentially a, a Saturday or a Sunday for us. There isn't any kind of Monday to Friday, nine to five job where you don't drink or you make a decision, well, I'm not going to have as much to drink, you know, in our position um, in Spain, self-employed. 
do what you, you want. You can then. drink however much you want and, and just whenever you want. So every, every night's a Saturday night mm. when, when you're in that, that drinking mood. And unfortunately, we took advantage of that. And every night did become a Saturday night because there wasn't a day, a single day during the week where we didn't have alcohol in, in the house. Yeah. You know? I would get up in the mornings and I would look in the fridge if I couldn't remember before I got to the kitchen I would go up in the morning look in the fridge and find out how many beers were left so I could calculate how many beers that I drank the night before mm. and then the next calculation would be how many more beers I need to buy to make it up to a decent amount so I'm not going to run out that day yeah it was absolute madness money have we got left yeah how much could, money have you got we scrubble together enough money to get some beers yeah um yeah so it was pretty bad towards the end and i think you're right if we hadn't stopped when we did then i think we would have been in trouble really yeah um so just if you can remember (laughs) (laughs) i know because um well if you don't know this podcast was planned to be recorded when april time yeah yeah, yeah april mm. april time um but then in april you had a stroke didn't you i did so that threw all of our plans out of the window um and as a result of everything and you've probably been reading about the recovery and what happened with the stroke and everything but one of the if after effects is that you can't really remember that much can you uh, it's it's yeah it, my memory isn't what it was mm. it's getting better i think but it, it's yeah. not it's not what it was it, long-term stuff's no problem but it, it's like you know what do we have for tea last what do we have for tea last night and sometimes <laughs> i just couldn't tell you i haven't got the, the first idea but yeah <laughs> it's but you, you couldn't make it up man i mean you, you give you, <laughs> you give up drinking you know for four years and then I'd given up smoking as well. I'd been quitting six months, mm. which for me was almost a miracle because I'd, I'd been a, a 40 a day for, for 35 years or so. Yeah. So for me to give up smoking for six months was a massive achievement. And I was also trying to get fit as well because you know, quitting the drinking and quitting the smoking allows you to get outside a bit more, walking the dog more often, all that sort of stuff. And then you go and have a bloody stroke anyway. I mean, it's unbelievable. But, you know, it happened. So. Yeah. You know, you got to deal with, with what life sort of throws at you and, and yeah. And I think the stroke, um, and we're getting off topic here a little bit, but it's all relevant. I think it was kind of a wake-up call because obviously you would stop drinking, there was no smoking, but the diet wasn't the best um, because obviously, and I say this a lot, when I stopped drinking it was cake and jellies and all of that. Mm. Um, but I think it's been a, you know, combination of all of the, well, the bad lifestyle choices over the years, really. Mm. So I suppose if there's one thing that I wanted you to take away from this is that while there's never a right time to stop drinking now, now is absolutely the perfect time because the longer you've got of being healthy, putting good things into your body, then obviously the, the better off you're going to be. And one of the, th- not regrets, I suppose, but one of the things that's come out of the stroke is a realisation that 
we have been abusing our bodies for quite a long time. Mm. Mm. Um, and luckily, you're all right, aren't you? I mean, there's still recovery to do. You're not 100% where you were before. But I th- we've been extremely lucky. Yeah, we've been uh, extremely lucky. I mean, I, I was in ICU for two days um, mm. in Granada Hospital. And, you know, th- when you see other patients that are already there and other patients that are being brought in, because you've got, you know, you, you're just, you're lying in bed, you're not allowed to move. Um, and you, you see these other people and it makes you realise how fortunate you are. Mm. Because there were people in there in a lot worse shape than I was. Um I mean, my stroke was relatively mild compared to a lot of other people. And, you know, it, it, it gives you a different outlook on life. Yeah. You know, it, it makes you realize how fortunate you are. Um, but, yeah, the, you know, that, that's, that's another, another story. But I can remember a few of the doctors in the hospital asking me, did I drink? Mm. Um, and I said, no, I haven't. I haven't touched alcohol for four years. Um, and as far as the stroke was concerned, because I don't know if anybody's been in, in hospital in Spain, but it's very clinical. It's not, you know, you moved around like like cattle. Yeah. There's no sort of bedsides. You know, there's no caring or anything like that, like you would get from the NHS in the UK. Um, and there was absolutely no recognition at all that I'd given up alcohol for four years. Nobody, no. even, nobody even said well done or anything. It was like, well, you know, come on, it's a big achievement. But <laughs> as, as far as the the medical side, which is all their concern was, yeah, obviously, um, it was like, right, okay, how much did you drink? Mm. That was the next question. Um, I'm not sure that everybody believed that I had given up alcohol for four years. Maybe it's because I, you know. A big English guy living in Spain, you know, you're going to be a bit of a beer monster, aren't you? That's the kind of the, the stereotype mm. that, that people have sometimes. Um, but yeah, it was how much did you drink? That was a, a big concern yeah. for them, even though it had been four years previous. They wanted to know how much I'd been drinking. So when it comes to a health care, something like a stroke, um, it's not just one event that you know you go out and you get absolutely hammered and you have 24 beers and half a bottle of whiskey or whatever that does not cause a stroke no what causes a stroke is a build-up of abuse um of alcohol abuse it certainly doesn't help um and obviously you know you've got the smoking thing and the bad diet and the lack of exercise i mean i was you know looking back now i was a, a prime candidate to to have a stroke um, but you don't think about that at the time. You don't, you know, it's something that always happens to other people exactly. because I've never been in the hospital at all. Um, you know, I've been to the dentist or anything for 40 odd years. I've been in Spain 18 mm. years. I've never been to, to see the, the local GP once. Not once. Yeah, you remember uh, when you cracked your ribs and the vet came around to yeah. <laughs> ask the vet to yeah. sort you out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's a combination of everything, but long-term alcohol consumption abuse is is not good, and it's one of those things that catches up with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it will kick you in the ass. Mm. No, no problem whatsoever, because when it's ready to do that, it will, and it will do it in a big way, and it hits you like like nothing ever has before. Yeah. Um, so you know if. 
if you're concerned, you see, this is one of the things towards the end, I was concerned about my drinking, I was worried about it, and I, w- I knew I was drinking too much. Mm. But it was one of those things, again, you know, alcohol is an addictive substance, and it become such a part of daily life, it was, it was normal to be drinking every day. <coughs> um, but it, it was it was strange because you know, you know you're doing yourself harm, but you still do it. Yeah. I knew I was drinking too much, but I was still drinking. Mm. And I was beginning to feel a lot of guilt and a lot of worry. And one of those main worries was was my health. And I thought if you know if anything happened to me, what would you do? What would you you know, yeah. what, what would life be like if I left you behind with the kids? Mm. And I thought, you know, this this is bloody stupid. What what am I drinking this amount? for this has to stop otherwise something's gonna happen and you know something happened anyway yeah but you know towards the end that we were alcohol free when it did happen well yeah absolutely i mean i cannot possibly imagine being in hospital i was in in hospital for 11 days um and when when you have a stroke you have a massive amount to deal with it's like you know you've got your recovery you know you've got you know everything that's going to change in our life like like your diet um, you know, you, you've got can you drive? You've got driving issues. That in itself is like, you know, how am I going to go shopping? How am I going to go here? How am I going to go there? Everything changes. Your world has turned upside down. Mm. And I can remember saying to you when I was in hospital, it's a good job that we've given up smoking and drinking because I would not have wanted to be lying in, in, in hospital thinking I've got to quit smoking. Yeah. Which in itself was like a colossal. <laughs> huge thing I mean I can't even begin to explain it uh, and and quitting alcohol yeah. the fact that we'd already done that was kind of like a big lifestyle change that a lot of people have to do as a result of having a health scare like the stroke the fact that we'd already done it made it a little bit easier and it was two things the mm. drinking and the smoking but particularly the drinking it was one less thing to concern yourself about because when I got home I didn't have to worry about yeah not you know whether like the beers and the wine and all the rest of them quitting drinking and then you know moderate mm. and if that was going to be possible and all this stuff that goes through your head on top of everything on else. top of everything else you know it was something that that you just didn't need so the fact that we'd already done it was a positive definitely yeah it's like um i remember watching an interview with billy Connolly who quit drinking god a long time ago and i remember him saying that he wanted to do it while it was still his own idea. Yeah. He didn't want to be one of those people who were like, oh, well, the doctor says I can't. Yeah. Um, and after the stroke, definitely for me as well, it was one less thing because I don't know how I would have coped with everything that I had coped with um, had I been drinking at the same time because they say that drinking is a way to cope, but I think it makes you less able to cope so drinking doesn't make you cope with anything it doesn't it gives the illusion that it does because it mm. numbs the problems out doesn't it but they're mm-hmm. still there mm. the next day um so what was it well no, no, we've just gone totally off topic there what did i ask you before oh yeah that day when you got up and you said okay that's it i'm not drinking anymore mm. and probably the first couple of weeks or so um how was it? Was it easy? Was it hard? Did you struggle? Did you have cravings? Withdrawal? Were you triggered? Can you remember? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, the first um, the first three days are the worst for me. Um, the decision was made, and in in my head, I knew that 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 was it. There was no, you know, it, I had to do it, and I didn't have any kind of plan in place. I didn't have any you know I never thought about moderating or anything like that because moderation just doesn't work mm. um, I, I, I tried it once I think and it's it just phew, a complete waste of time for me personally um, mm. no I think it is in general day, day two I can remember was difficult and, and day three I think was the worst because mm. I think by day three you're not kind of feeling any kind of effects from you know a big drink that you've had earlier on in the week because you know if you have a big drink then it takes like two or three days to wear off anyway yeah <coughs> but um yeah the, the, the by the third day it was starting to get difficult um and then i would have said after a week or 10 days it started getting easier for me personally mm. and when you say um it was difficult and day three was the worst hmm. In in what way was it physically? Were you having cravings? No, no, I didn't have any. I didn't have any cravings at all. I mean, I I I drank. I I had my first drink when I was about eight years old, I think. And by the time I was a teenager, I was I was drinking quite a lot. And then by the time I was in my twenties, I was just a complete monster with it. So I was half expecting um, sort of withdrawal symptoms, physical withdrawal symptoms. But mm. I didn't have any of that at all. It, it was it was quite strange. Um, for me, it was more of a, a mental thing, mm-hmm. and it was like a, a, a habit that I had to kick. But it was a habit very similar to smoking. It was something that I'd done all my life, and to remove that from your life is a big challenge. And when you've got no plan in place, and you're just going cold turkey, and, and you know, you've got to have a huge amount of determination to do it. And you have to make the decision, like I did, and just say, right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drink anymore, and that was it. Like um, mindset more than yeah, anything mindset, else. Yeah, mindset, absolutely mindset. Um, but not, you know, everybody's different. Not, not everybody can take that approach because it doesn't work for for some people. Mm. Some people it does. Some people it doesn't. For me, it did. And the first couple of weeks were, you know, you were kind of, you're in a situation where normally you would be drinking. And I wouldn't necessarily call them triggers for me either, but it was like, you know, okay, well, for example, we're having a barbecue. You would always have a beer at a barbecue. Yeah. Without fail, always. Mm. And, you know, because the beers weren't there, you then had to think about a substitute and you had to think, well, okay, you know, I've got to, I've got to replace the beer with something else for this occasion purely because of the fact you need something in your hand, you need something to drink because you're having a barbecue and it's what you do. Yeah. It just didn't necessarily have to be beer. Yeah. And, you know, situations like that, it would get to a certain time of day, um, Fridays and weekends were slightly more difficult because, you know, you would be used to going down to the shop and buying two crates of beer for the weekend. Mm. But now you weren't. And then... It would kind of hit you like, oh, God, there's no beer in the fridge. There's nothing there. <laughs> but, I, but I've given up. <laughs> and that's okay because I'm not drinking anymore. Yeah. So what did you do instead when you had like those moments? Um, 
where you realise, oh shit, there's no beer in the fridge, what am I going to do? I can't remember. No, we walked the dogs a lot, <laughs> I remember. Yeah. And right. one thing we did was obviously tea. And I think I'm quite famous now for the amount of tea that I drink. But can you remember we watched that um, that Danish detective series? Yeah. For every night we sat and watched two or three episodes. Mm. Uh, and it was in Danish with subtitles. And we'd never be able to do that had we been drinking because you can't see the telly. Mm. Um, after a few drinks. Yeah, it, it's funny actually. You mentioned the TV and stuff. Now we watch a film, and or a, a series like a long running series or something like that, and you think you have never seen it before, but you have seen it before, but you yeah. just can't remember it because you were that bladdered at the time. You, you, you <laughs> can't rem- <laughs> you can't remember what you were watching. So when you you look at a you watch a film two or three years later, and you think. Have I seen this before? Or have I not? Mm. It's, it's familiar, but I don't know. Any. So yeah. in that respect, quitting alcohol is, is really good because all the DVDs that you've got, you can watch them again. And it's yeah. like watching a brand new <laughs> bunch of films. Yeah. <laughs> and when would you say, I know that the decision was pretty clear cut for you when you got up that day and said, oh, I'm not drinking again. Mm. When would you say that... Um, it became like normal, like this is just something that I don't do anymore and you felt comfortable with it. It wasn't so much something that you thought about. Because um, yeah. I don't remember you complaining or having any problems really without, like about not drinking. No, my, well, I think normality kind of set in for me after about three weeks. Right. Very very early, mm. um, because I'd I'd made the decision in my head and, and and that was it, and I just yeah the thing is as well you, you have to approach it with the right kind of outlook as well because if if you concentrate on the fact that you're not drinking alcohol anymore, it'll drive you mad. Yeah. Um, so you got to try and put that to the back of your mind. And what I did, one of the things that I did was was concentrate on the positives and all the things that were happening because I wasn't drinking anymore. So, for instance, mm. looking forward to what I wanted to do in the future, um, which you know you can you can say okay, all the money that I'm gonna that I would have been spending on alcohol, I'm gonna put that to one side and I'm gonna save it up. Um, and I'm going to buy something, or I'm going to go somewhere with it, or I'm going to, you know, do a new challenge or whatever it is. Mm. Um, so to think about, you know, the positives through not drinking um, and being aware, having the awareness of how you feel on a daily basis as well, uh, because one of the things that happened to me during the first couple of weeks, maybe it was the first month, I would wake up, um, for example, not having had a drink for for three weeks 20 days no alcohol whatsoever not a drop and i would still wake up with a hangover because my body was so used to waking up with a with a, mm. a hangover just, just a mild hangover just the yeah i've had about you know 10 cans or something last night and a bottle of wine mm. my body was so used to that that even though i hadn't had a drink i would still wake up feeling like that uh, but it would soon pass and it would it would soon go because the the mindset has to be I'm now I'm fit I'm healthy I'm gonna go out I'm gonna walk the dogs I'm gonna get some fresh air and you feel so much better for doing that 
it might get you in the afternoon where you think, okay, well, maybe drinking by now, should be having a beer or whatever. Um, but there are parts of the day, particularly the mornings, which you start to find enjoyable and you start to, to appreciate more mm. because the mornings are longer. One thing that happened to us was we started getting up ridiculously early in the morning because <laughs> we, normally you'd be in bed at half past seven, eight o'clock in the morning and you'd be fighting to get up because you knew you had to get other kids ready for school, etc. Yeah. Now, I, I'm sometimes on up at half past four or five o'clock in the morning and, and that's normal for me now because I don't have any kind of alcohol left in my system. There's nothing there at all. And, and you know, the hours that you can add to your day, mm. you might go to bed a bit earlier, but, you know, we we put another 20 hours on our week just through getting up earlier in the morning. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's there's different different ways and different approaches. And one of the things that I found was to try and forget about that you're not drinking anymore and concentrate on the things that you can do because you're not drinking anymore. Yeah. That's one thing that I say all the time um, to my clients and the people in the membership is always focus on what you're gaining and not what you're giving up. Focus on what mm. you want. Like, how do you want to feel? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Um, and how does that feel when, you know, you've achieved it? And what goals do you want to work towards? Um, and one of the things that kept me going was definitely the mornings and getting out and about and doing more things as a family mm-hmm. and just generally feeling feeling better, feeling mm. healthier and fit and noticeably um, you don't sleep talk anymore, you don't snore anymore, you don't sweat as much. <laughs> You've lost a lot of weight. Obviously, I think that's the beans since we got back from hospital the as beans, well. The beans, yeah, the, the beans. beans. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, definitely feeling fitter and healthier than we than you were before. Mm. Yeah, on a on a physical front, then yeah, absolutely, you you, you feel way better because you haven't got this toxin that's in your body constantly. Mm. Um, and yeah I mean not having to worry anymore Yeah. one of the things that, that left me relatively quickly was the, the worry that I was going to have some kind of big issue with my health um, mm. or that something was going to happen or you know that there was going to be an alcohol fueled incident waiting on the horizon you know it was a matter of time um Mm. none of that was there anymore and that was a huge relief that was a big weight off my shoulders because it was like well if i'm not drinking then i'm not going to have an alcohol fueled incident yeah you know i'm not going to say anything stupid and be a complete idiot um because alcohol turns you into an idiot it it can do Mm. you know yeah um so none of that was there and that was that was a big relief so you know from a headspace sort of perspective mm. um, it's it's good in that respect because you're not feeling anxiety you're not feeling the guilt you don't have to worry um, and you couple that with um, the health aspect and the physical side of it because you do feel a hell of a lot better um, you know life starts to, to become good again yeah it does without, without the, the 
the weight and the, the toxicity of, of drinking. Mm. Yeah. We've had our fair share of crap to deal with since we stopped drinking. It hasn't all been sunshine and roses. But even so, I do think we're in a much better place now than where we were before we stopped drinking. Um, and one of the things is that you had a goal, didn't you? Or a dream, I suppose, when you stopped drinking, that you wanted to get um, out and about, you wanted a 4 by 4 and you wanted to be spend more time overlanding and things like that. And it had always been a dream, just something slightly out of reach. Mm. Um, but now it is a reality. So how does that feel to know that because you stopped drinking, you've been able to achieve one of your dreams? It's fantastic. It's great. Mm. I mean, it was, it was a goal that I had. Um, and it was something that I'd looked at briefly while I was drinking. And it was one of those things which was so far out of reach at the time because of the drinking, because, you know, all the finances and, and you know, it, it was never going to happen. Mm. And then when we could quit drinking, um, it was, it, it became a, a possibility then. And, you know, we haven't spent a fortune on fancy vehicles and gear and all the rest of it, but we have made it possible. Yeah, and the fact that I can get out and drive at five, six o'clock in the morning and go and watch the sun come up on the top of a, a mountain in the Spanish Sierras is absolutely fantastic. Because you compare that with sitting in bed sweating with a rotten hangover, mm. there just is no comparison. No. Um, I mean, in my drinking days, one of the things was, like, the unwritten rule was you had to get all the shopping in and you had to get everything done by 12 o'clock because you'd be drinking by 1 o'clock and after you, you start drinking, then you couldn't drive. Yeah. Um, that is no longer an issue. And, you know, we go out now all over the place. We go out for, for breakfast, we go out for, you know, something to eat in the afternoon and have an evening meal, you know. On top of the mountain. Doing the whole um, overlanding thing. We've got the kitchen, the rig comes out the back and you know you can cook you got the table and chairs the whole lot and we can go anywhere mm. and there freedom, is yeah it? there is no alcohol involved there's no headaches involved there's no there's no you know can i drive can i not drive and all of that crap that we've just left behind yeah you know we now have complete freedom and i dare say that during the four years that we've been alcohol free if you would equate that to how much a crate of beer cost and the wine and everything else that we bought mm. the well yeah you know I know it's horrendous when you think about it but that has probably paid for the entire um, overland setup that we have yeah which includes the vehicle mm. it includes all the gear hanging off it and everything on the roof it includes the interior build all the, all the camping stuff everything yeah um and now that we have something tangible that we can see and use and drive and go out and, and, and just have a great time with, you compare that to four years worth of beer, which, you know, you, you would have just pissed down the toilet. <laughs> Basically, literally, <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what, that's what we did. What kind of sense does that make? I mean, it's absolute, it's madness, isn't it, when you, when you think about it? Mm. You know... So what advice, we're going to wrap it up now, um, what advice would you give to anybody who's listening to this and maybe struggling with 
um, the idea of not drinking anymore, what advice would you give to them? From a personal point of view, I would, I would be, you know, you need to get your head right. You've got to have a, a vision where you know that you're going to make the decision someday. Mm. It doesn't have to be immediate. You don't have to think, right, okay, I'm going to give up drinking and, you know, how am I going to do it and this, that and the other. You need to be solid in your thinking and you need to be, you know, you, you've got to think towards the future. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to stop drinking the minute you think it enters your head. No. But you need to say, right, okay, by this date, set yourself a date, mm. end of the month or, or three weeks' time or whatever, set yourself a date and say, by that date, I'm going to stop drinking. I wouldn't bother, you know, turning it down and, and trying to moderate and all that kind of thing because I honestly don't believe that that works. No. Um, and when that date comes, don't drink. Get alcohol out of your mind and replace it with things that you want to do with your life. Replace the alcohol with perhaps a holiday or an adventure that you want to do or something that you've always dreamt of taking up like we have with the overlanding. Mm. Um, replace it with um, a vision that you might have for you know the kids or something. Yeah. You know, get your mind away from alcohol and make that part of your life that alcohol has taken over, make that part of your life more useful into doing something better for yourself your health, your family, mm. and, and and make it happen. Yeah. And I have got some resources on how to do that, how to create a vision for your sobriety, how to do visualisation and all of that. Mm. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes because yeah. for me as well, I think that is a thing that's kept me going and made it, dare I say it, um, a joyful experience as opposed to the struggle that I thought it was going to be and I think it's worth mentioning that as well all the times before we stopped drinking it was like oh my god it's going to be hard it's going to be stressful this is not the right time because we've got this happening and that happening and mm. I'm not ready but when we actually did it it wasn't like that at all was it no I mean, it wasn't easy, it wasn't plain sailing, there were still things to overcome, mm -hmm. but it wasn't half as bad as what we thought it would be, because I think we build ourselves up, don't we, to mm -hmm. make it more difficult. Um, and definitely by focusing on the positive, how you feel, what you want to do, where you want to go, um, how you want to wake up, that was a thing that did it for me, makes mm -hmm. it that much easier. And I think you're right, you just have to jump in and just give it your best shot and obviously get support along the way if you mm. need that because yeah, we that, supported each other didn't we yeah that it's, it's one of the things if anybody listening to this is, is going to take away is that for them it could be different you know not everybody i mean i'm not saying it was easy to quit drinking it wasn't mm. um but it wasn't anywhere near as difficult as what i thought it would be like you just said but for everybody it, it it's a different approach and it's it's different for each individual person not everybody's going to find it easy uh, you know and if you need support then yes seek out support mm -hmm. there is support out there um and it's worth it's worth knowing that you know you're not on your own 
Yeah. And, you know, not everybody can do it on their own. I, I was fortunate to have you. We did this together. Yeah, we um, did. If I'd had to do it on my own completely, then it could be a different ballgame altogether. I don't know. Mm. But, you know, everybody's got a different family situation as well. Everybody's got different relationships with, with the relatives and the kids and all the rest of it. But you need to pull on the resources that you have. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, people need to be made aware that you might need support during this. You know, it's a decision that you're making for the for the best. Mm. You know, it's your life. It's what you want to do. Exactly. And, you know, get the support if you need it and make everybody aware that that's, you know, that, that's what you're expecting. Mm. It's a big thing. It's a big decision. I mean, don't even get me started on the whole society thing and all the rest of it and how drinking is normalized and all that stuff because that's a different story altogether. But some people don't understand. Um, no. And, you know, people need to respect your decision. And, you know, if you're struggling, then they need to understand that and they need to, to support you the best way that they can. Yeah. Well, that's why it's helpful, I think, to connect with people who are doing the same thing as you are or someone like me, obviously, who's been alcohol free for a while. And we get it. We know what it's like Hmm. Um, because you can't get the same level of support from, I don't know, your mother-in-law. No, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Who doesn't get it at all. Um, You do need somebody who knows what you're going through. And for me... Um, one thing that helped me a lot in the beginning was obviously having you there, not drinking, but it, I read a lot. I read so many um, quitlet books, as they're called, mm-hmm. listened to podcasts, and thankfully there's loads and loads of that stuff out there now. So just immerse yeah. yourself, I suppose, in the sober world. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Anything else you want to say before we go? Yeah, there's plenty, but I don't think we've got time. (laughs) Okay, well, you can come again and and have another podcast chat at some point in the future if the listeners would like that. So thank you very much. You're very welcome.